You're listening to the Soul Strategies podcast hosted by the team here at Soul Strategies. We hope you like the latest episode and thanks for tuning in. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Soul Strategies podcast. I'm your host, James Ray at James Gets Political on TikTok. And today I'm going to be talking about the importance of practice and what activism looks like in LA with my colleague and friend, Kai. They're a political activist and educator as well of the founders of a new left bookstore out of LA, out of LA called All, uh, All Power. You can find them on TikTok at the handle What's Antifa and on Twitter at Tanky Pilled. So hi, let's get started. How is Los Angeles today? Um, yeah, well, that was a good introduction. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I've grown up in LA my entire life, so it just like means a lot to me. Um, it's really awesome. I love it here. But the activism scene is like also like, really amazing I have to say like I'm glad there's so many like big tent organizations um and like grassroots organizations so that you don't have to like fall into the depths of electoralism if you don't want to but (laughs) yeah (laughs) no valid 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 I mean uh soul strategies and really what I do is a lot of electoral work so it's Mm -hmm. nice to see the other end of that the actual like on the ground organizing and activist work I mean, how, how's that been out in Los Angeles, especially in the last year or so with COVID and, and with, with the Black Lives Matter movement really, really picking up steam, particularly in L.A.? Like, I imagine that's been a hell of a time on the ground for you. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> with, with the George Floyd uprising, um, it was just amazing to see so many people on the ground. Um, I've never been to a protest where there were so many people. Um, most notably, there was one where like 100,000 people went or something along those lines, like Um, We were just like marching down Hollywood. Um, And that was like really, I think, the catalyst for my work on the ground. Um, I would say before I wasn't really like truly radicalized and I was definitely more of like an armchair leftist. Um, I was just like, well, I'm just going to like learn and make TikToks. And that's enough of the praxis from my end. Um, But actually like viewing police brutality like in real time, um, even like, you know, getting hit by like a rubber bullet myself or like getting arrested or whatever like experiencing that myself I was like fuck like and this is not even you know the worst of it like I'm still alive um but yeah it's been a hell of a year um LAPD and LESD are like the worst police forces in the entire nation um they have you know no problem just shooting everybody with rubber bullets indiscriminately sending off these things called stinger grenades, which basically shoot upwards in the air, explode, shoot downwards, explode a flashbang, and then shoot out pepper balls. So it's like, why do you even have that? Um, But yeah, so I've met like the most amazing comrades that like, you know, I didn't even know existed here in LA through being on the ground and through like grassroots organizing. So that's been really amazing. No, I love that. A brief clarification to everyone else, because I, I sometimes I get into words sure. that I leftists understand and a lot of other people do. for sure for sure um the idea of praxis for for those of you who might not already know praxis is essentially Greek for the the literal word practice it's essentially putting into practice things you learn um through like theory and like it's it's real world application of leftist theory essentially is the most simplistic means I can um <laughs> I can break that down would you say that's fairly accurate I would say Yeah, for sure. And I think, um, you know, the saying like theory informs praxis is also like really important. Um, I feel like reading just about theory, like really helped me understand like why things were the way that they were. Um, 
And like, I really want to accentuate the fact that like praxis in LA. So like the practice of actually like doing leftist work is like so different in LA than like, you know, some small city in like the Midwest or like in the South, um, you know, bigger cities like New York and LA, they're like really on the ground, uh, Portland, Seattle. But um, a lot of my work has been like on the ground protesting as well as like doing mutual aid. Um, but yeah, I think like mutual aid is, is becoming <clears throat> quite like a more mainstream thing here in LA. Could you talk a little bit more about the mutual aid scene in Los Angeles, what all like that constitutes, et cetera? Yeah, for sure. So um, the unhoused population here in LA is just like, just really out of control because our mayor like really sucks. <laughs> um, so a lot of the mutual aid efforts here focus on the unhoused. Um, there are like several, uh, you know, like encampments where there's just like a huge population um, of unhoused folks. So the mutual aid here often looks like going and just like doing outreach, um, you know, even just like talk to them and make sure that they actually want you there. Um, I think that's something that a lot of people kind of like don't think about. It's like do the outreach, do the work to actually make sure that these people like want your, your help, right? Um, and mutual aid also, it's like works off the saying like solidarity, not charity. Um, so it's like, you know, you're building relationships with these folks. Um, and it often just looks like, you know, even just a couple of friends or an organization going out to an encampment and building relationships with them. Um, you know, we've made friends with so many folks down in the area that we serve. Um, a lot of it is just like crowdfunded. So like we get crowdfunding, um, we go buy essentials, hot food, waters, like we have like all these huge like ice chests with drinks and stuff. Um, but that's generally what it looks like. But there's like a lot of, you know, like smaller like affinity groups, just like friends that just want to help out, um, like bigger tent organizations. Like I believe um, DSALA does like mutual aid. Um, Ground Game LA does mutual aid as well. But yeah, it's like, it's really becoming like a more mainstream thing um, because we, during the pandemic at least, have really seen the failures of our government. Um, because people are like still getting evicted out of their houses, even though it's like, or their apartments rather, even though there's like a moratorium in place. Um, so I think like people are becoming more cognizant of the fact that like they too are struggling. And then that like kind of gives them a lens to look at like other folks and they're like, oh damn, you know, like these people are straight up being like fucked by the government. Um, but yeah, I'm like really glad to see that a lot of mutual aid organizations and efforts are like popping up in LA and you can do it too, <laughs> anywhere you are. I think that's like the easiest way to like segue into leftism, especially if you live in like a conservative area, um, because, you know, outright saying like, oh, like I'm a socialist or like, you know, whatever sect of, you know, leftist you are, um, I think is like met with backlash oftentimes. But I think mutual aid, it's like, you know, you can build those relationships without being quote unquote, like inflammatory to like people that might live in like your community if you care about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that makes total sense to me. Mm -hmm. And I mean, and you've done, you've gone like from, you know, to, to just talk about your personal successes a little bit, you've gone above and beyond. I think what would contemporarily <laughs> be understood is like, is more than, well, you're welcome. I mean, more than just mutual aid and um, in protesting, et cetera, you've built from the ground up um, in tandem with partners of yours, a, an entire bookstore essentially dedicated to creating a safe space for the discussion of leftist politics, um, news, et cetera, and for education, which I think is 
unbelievable. How did you come across wanting to do that? Like what, what was the process for that? If you don't mind me asking. For sure. Um, it was like the most random, like ragtag thing I have ever experienced in my entire life. Um, so I opened it up with uh, four other comrades. Uh, ever since my radicalization, I feel like education has just been like severely lacking. Um, because when I started to learn more about things like, for example, like the Tulsa massacre, I was like, I did not learn that in school. And like, you have to do all of this unlearning. Um, like I'm Vietnamese and like, I always learned that like America tactically withdrew from the Vietnam war and like the communists were bad and this and that. And I was like, I really learned about it. And I was like, what the hell? Like we literally did not learn the correct thing. So I think like ever since that thought really like crossed into my mind I was like damn like we really need a space where people can just like come and learn and like be around other comrades because I mean having like a storefront and like any kind of like space in a major city is expensive as fuck and like let's like you know leftists are often poor like that's why we care about the issues that like we do is because like we are working class people um so yeah that, that's kind of like how it came to fruition it was like really random um basically we opened up this past week actually and um about like two and a half months ago like two of our comrades just like came and like we were like in a group chat and they're like hey like um so I think we're gonna sign a lease like do you guys want to open up a bookshop and we're like what yes we do um so like the <laughs> opportunity definitely like kind of just like landed in my lap but of course it's like something that you know we've always wanted to do ever since like our radicalization journey it was just like how do we do it um and it like really helped that like the two comrades that had you know looked at the space together um one is in like a well-known hardcore band called stick to your guns his name is jesse and then his partner sav um she has like a lot of followers on instagram and she's just like very like outspoken about being a communist um so it was like that really helped us like crowdfund and like get it all together and then obviously like I'm on TikTok and Twitter <laughs> um but yeah so it's just like everything like really you know we it's like a lot of luck you know that kind of played in our favor um and the opportunity for like myself is just like landed in our lap um but the grand opening was like really awesome um I was like damn I did not know LA LA was this base because we like pretty much sold out of like almost everything like the grand opening and I was like what like where have you're kidding been? no uh, okay because literally I was like in my head I was like we're gonna have the grand opening there's gonna be like one person outside like <laughs> we're just gonna be like in an empty shop like like I don't know that's just how all of us thought and we're just like anxious we're like there's gonna be nobody here but like a, a like pretty there's like a medium-sized line I guess like formed outside pre-grand opening and it was really awesome doing like community outreach um, and, you know, our mission is just like to be a space for the people like we are at the mercy of the community we're like located in a working class neighborhood. Um, that's like pretty central to like most things. Um, so it's just like, you know, we don't want like the education to be, we don't want there to be a barrier to like education, because like, as we see with like Biden's <laughs> extremist document. Um, like it's not really safe for a lot of people primarily like BIPOC to be like leftists, like outspoken leftists. So like we want to offer this space, um, not only as a bookshop, but like we're a co-working area, I guess. We have like free Wi-Fi and like tables and outlets, whatever, um, as well as like events. 
most recently, this past Friday, we had um, a screening of Gaza Fights for Freedom, which is a documentary about the Great March of Return protests in Gaza in 2018. Um, and we also had the director, Abby Martin, and the producer, Mike Preisner, come in and like do a Q&A in person. And we like streamed it and everything. And it was like really awesome. Um, but yeah, that's like kind of like our kickoff event. Like we want to do a lot of stuff like tenants rights workshops, which are like really important primarily in LA and like other major cities. But yeah, it's really exciting. I'm just like, it doesn't feel real. <laughs> like, honestly, like I'm just there and it just feels like I'm just hanging out. Like I'm just like in this building, like hanging out that I pay rent at for some reason. Like it doesn't really even feel like ours. It's just like <laughs> a nice, like we're just like, okay, this is a nice shop. Like now what? Um, yeah, weird side really... note. Well, weird side note. How was how was meeting Mike Preisner? I, I know um, his speech <laughs> in DC was one of the first. Yes. Like um, when I was still, uh, I, I think not a leftist. When I was still very liberal, mm -hmm. I, watching his speech in DC, talking about um, returning home from uh, from conflict. He was for background. He was a soldier. For those who might not know, um, and him criticizing the U.S. government's actions abroad. Um, was something that was really eye-opening and kind of um, rattling for me or, or really groundbreaking for me in a lot of ways. And I, I think his continued social media presence and, and his activism is unbelievable. And I imagine for it sure. must have been really cool meeting him. Yeah, I like don't have a lot of like fanboy moments, but I was just like, damn, like I've watched this dude's video like so many times, like just for background for the audience. Like it's just like a speech in DC that he did um he was like in an organization which has escaped me um but basically <laughs> he's saying like the the gist of the speech is like our enemies are not abroad they're not poor people abroad they're like the richest people in America um and like like you James like I watched that video so many times also as a liberal and I was like I think he's on to something <laughs> but yeah he was like super cool like very like thought-provoking and like hopeful um like during the Q&A like he offered a lot of hope and like insight because um both him and Abby were basically saying like the tide is turning um LA had the biggest uh free Palestine marches like ever um you know just a few weeks ago and I was in attendance for those and it was like really awesome to see that because I feel like even as a liberal I was like yeah, like free Palestine, you know, like as a person of color, I was like, yeah, free Palestine. But I, I didn't know like everything behind it and like watching that documentary and then like getting to meet the producer and like the director was like really awesome. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely feel that way. Like the tide is turning for a lot of things, I think, um, you know, like plant the seeds of revolution. <laughs> like that's what we're hoping to do with like the bookshop as well. It's like, let's, you know, plant the seeds of revolution. If it doesn't happen in our lifetimes and like make it easier for the generations to come after us. Hey, you're listening to the Soul Strategies Podcast. Take a moment to listen to some of our esteemed champions and their takeaways from the program. It's, it was very important for me to manage uh, time. And the program, again, helped with the discipline of time and helping with the management of time so that, um, so that you can actually structure yourself to do that what you desire. Uh, uh, for your races. For more information, head over to soulstrategies.com now. No, absolutely. I actually, uh, weeks back, did, a, did a, an episode of this podcast, actually, with, um, with a guy, uh, 
my friend Josh, he he's a, he's the means on TikTok, and he's an eco socialist. He was saying the exact same things. He was saying that like one of the beautiful things about the new generation is that a lot of a lot of tides seem to be turning, particularly in major cities like New York, LA, mm-hmm. um, Chicago, Detroit, but really nationwide, where you're starting to see this new generation of people not only fight for reformation of the system, but question some of the fundamental principles of the system itself. And I think that on paper, small, but extremely noticeable shift Mm -hmm. has been so critical for um, the political evolution of like the newest, particularly like Gen Z and like the youngest Mm -hmm. millennials. Yeah, Um, I was about to say that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think that's kind of the beautiful thing about, I mean, you do activism as well through uh, TikTok and Twitter. And so you do a lot of social media stuff on your own. And, and I don't know about you from, from my experience on social media, particularly through TikTok, I've seen an upswell of very young voices who Absolutely. have, they have these critiques, but they don't necessarily have a framework or they don't necessarily know how to focus the energy they have. And it becomes really critical to, uh, to educate and, and kind of point people in, in a direction that is functional um, mm-hmm. that won't just kind of waste their energy. Um, like I've seen on, on some endeavors, but, but that educational element is so unbelievably critical. Um, and I'm, I'm actually very jealous you were able to start this bookstore in Los Angeles. <laughs> I, mean, I, I'm, I'm from Southern Indiana, so I, I, I can't tell you, um, how, how much of a difference it might've made in both my life and the lives of colleagues to be able to have a space where Absolutely. that was kind of designated. Um, I think we do have leftist type bookstores in Indiana, mm-hmm. Um, in some of our, one of our college towns, Bloomington. Um, mm-hmm. But outside of that area, it's, it's, it's not the case. You know, I, I live in a very red state, both on paper and functionally. Mm-hmm. Um, gerrymandering wasn't, wasn't needed to the degree as it is in some states sure. to make this conservative state. Um, but no, it's, it's an amazing project nonetheless. I mean, it's past the opening day. Have y'all seen kind of continued energy for the, for what you're doing? Yeah, for sure. Well, <laughs> opening day was just like, fucking nuts it was like there's just so many people in there and I was like yo like I cannot believe this many people are comrades but also like I can't believe like this many people just like came through just just to say hi like people drove like hours um like you know people drove from like I I won't name the cities to like dox them but they like there are some people that drove upwards of like three or four hours to like come to the shop and we're just like what like that's just like so insane to us because it's like we didn't know that I mean obviously we we're like we knew that we were filling a niche but we were like we didn't know like so many of these comrades were like so based and like you know they're, they're just awesome like I just loved like meeting new people like I'm an extrovert and I have probably ADHD so I just love talking but like yeah like I just was meeting so many people and I was like wow like you know this is like community like I mm-hmm. like this is like fucking community like um just a comrade yesterday came up and just like embroidered like a bunch of like custom stuff for us like just like shirts like the sickest shirts ever with like our logo and like just like little red star and like hats I was like are you kidding me like you guys are all so nice and it's just like mind-boggling but also like to your point about like giving the youth like a space for that um that's like one of our like priorities as well like we really want to do like uh, mutual aid projects because like we're still in debt right now but <laughs> once we're out of that like we we really want to like you know like start this endeavor into like really like large mu- mutual aid projects um to actually like serve the community that we're in um because it is like 
it's a pretty like good mix of like like I guess business like we don't even consider ourselves a business because we're operating like not for profit like we all, we all just like work on the side and we're just like in the shop um but it's like a lot of like single family housing and like some apartments so it's like we want to do like a school supply drive um we want to like offer a space for like kids to like feel safe you know um but yeah so it's just like I wish I had some space like that growing up um I went to high school and middle school in like a very like conservative white area of like on the tip of LA um and that was just like horrible like I I would say I was like progressive in high school and it was just like hell like I can't imagine um because so many kids now I'm seeing like are socialists and communists and I'm like you guys are so based and I wish like I had come to that like conclusion way sooner than I did which was like a year and a half ago um but yeah so like I feel like this space is going to be like very helpful for kids which I hope it does um because we we have had like some kids stop by and be like yeah like I took like four buses to get here and we're like please take everything in the shop like just whatever you want (laughs) just take it like do you want a shirt like do you want a poster like and it's just like really heartwarming you know because it's like this is because I'm I'm 22 so I'm like still Gen Z but I don't know I just feel like I'm maybe on the cusp of like young millennial I don't even know but um just like seeing young kids like gives me so much hope because I'm just like wow like you guys came to like this massive conclusion like so much sooner than I did like five six even like seven or eight years like before even I did and I'm like y'all take everything in the shop like is there anything I can do for you like I will personally drive you back home like you guys are awesome and it just gives me like so much hope you know because I feel like a lot of people like don't see that they're just like oh yeah there's like communists but like we'll never win against like this system but I'm like no like Gen Z as much as people clown on them they are they're based you know like they're we're like born into you know a society that like already like face 9-11 you know like 9-11 had already happened or like happened during our childhood had like the 2008 like economic crash with like the housing crisis like everyone's parents got divorced like shit like that (laughs) um but I feel like that was like really what pushed people into like damn the system is like not working you know for like gen z is a is a is a is a child of divorced parents that did divorce pre two thousand eight. I would like to acknowledge that we did beat the curve, and I'm happy about that. But <laughs> you're not wrong. Uh, mine was post two thousand eight. However, I'm sure there's stuff going on that I just don't remember. <laughs> hey, there we go. Two sides of the same divorce coin. Is <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I I do think like <laughs> just being born into that was mm-hmm. like really turned people like kids anti-capitalist no I think so too I mean you know even even like the youngest of of people in Gen Z now like you know early 2000s can at least witness have witnessed at least like two major economic collapses uh (laughs) in their lifetimes you know Mm -hmm. 2008 whether it be the pandemic recession whether it be recessions um like intermediate recessions that occur between those periods Mm -hmm. I mean you're witnessing a generation that's becoming increasingly disillusioned with like what we mm-hmm. contemporarily understand as like the business cycle is like this up and down where for sure instead of like acknowledging like oh there's you know there's troughs you know there's these bottoming mm-hmm. out periods you know you have these people that are like well why do we have to have this um mm-hmm. why is it that we just accept mass suffering for a year and <laughs> you know or, or several years and then um go back to business as usual for only a select segment of our, se- of our society. Exactly. 
Um, and I think that's really interesting. I, I think the Gen Z as well, um, you know, and I, I tie this back into Los Angeles as well, from what mm-hmm. I saw during the, um, the, the Palestine, the Palestine oriented marching mm-hmm. and protests there is that there's this increasing, uh, increasingly important internationalist perspective, I think amongst Gen Absolutely. Z. Mm-hmm. And I think social media has played a huge role in that where like, you're now seeing people from other countries who are pitching their ideas to you and talking about what's going mm-hmm. on in their own countries, rather than being kind of spoon fed that by people at home who may or may not actually know that many people abroad. For sure. Um, and I think that interconnectivity has really made it difficult for um, U.S. politicians in particular to ignore international issues or mm-hmm. to or to downplay our role in international crises. And I think that's like been a really interesting change um, as someone who studies human rights. And uh, I can't express how happy it makes me because, <laughs> sure. like, the, you know, the historically the issue with like human rights um oriented issues is that like it's really hard to get domestic U.S. support for anything mm-hmm. really or U.S. government to like acknowledge that there might be a problem in some sure. um, some facet of the world order but like to see a generation that's openly critical of these issues even though they themselves are at times so young they're just coming to understand them just their bare understandings is so I, I don't know beautiful you said you said it mm-hmm. gives you hope I, I mean it does for me as well like seeing 17 year olds like 16 year olds who have mm-hmm. a, an equally good grasp of certain concepts that I just got a year ago exactly. makes me so happy because I'm 23 I'm sitting here and I'm like wow um I'm seeing 16 year olds that are sounding as eloquent as me right now when mm-hmm. they're in their 20s if they don't become disillusioned and throw the whole <laughs> thing away um you're talking about um just a powerful generation mm-hmm. I mean I know um, you're in Los Angeles, in, in Washington right now. Um, Stephanie Gallardo is running a Marxist campaign mm-hmm. um, with, with DSA at, uh, near Seattle. That's incredible to me. Like you have like people who are now openly leftist, yeah. more so than just like democratic socialists, but like open Marxists who are like, no, I'm going to run for Congress. Like, like just even yes. playing like poorly. <laughs> That's nuts to me. Same. And like, just like, I'm sure that you could relate to this when like, kids message me and they're like I just want to thank you because like you helped radicalize me I'm like stop I will cry right now but like they're like they're planting the seeds of revolution like it makes me so happy you know um but yeah like the open like leftist just like (laughs) electoralism I'm just like damn (laughs) like that that hasn't even happened really like in LA I feel like Mm -hmm. um like, people are obviously, like, endorsed by the DSA, but I don't think anyone in LA has been, like, yeah, like, we're a Marxist, like, or I'm a Marxist. I don't think that has happened yet, but, like, you know, I think until we get to the point where, like, a majority of, like, or at least, like, close to, you know, equal people are actually, mm-hmm. like, staunchly, like, anti-capitalist or, like, staunchly leftist, like, I think <laughs> having Marxist-run campaigns is, like, good like having Marxists in office is good um and we've had some some like failures here in LA where uh um one of the candidates um well actually she won but uh one of the like councilwomen um I believe uh she was like endorsed by DSA and a lot of like grassroots organizations and she like kind of dropped the ball um on more than one occasion like pretty much going against you know what her platform was like built on um but i feel like if there are like enough <laughs> marxists or like even like democratic socialists or like socialists like go into office i'm just like all right guys like something has to change right like 
um not to be a revisionist but I think until we <laughs> we get to a certain point it's a good thing <laughs> well DSA 2 has been so interesting I mean I don't know about how DSA LA functions but mm-hmm. I know nationally they've been huge um I I, I am in periodic contact with Honda Wang with uh, DSA mm-hmm. New York or DSA NYC and I think they're doing amazing work particularly with like labor Unions. rank and file mm-hmm. organizing yeah, yeah, yeah their rank mm-hmm. and file strategy is insane absolutely and electorally they're 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 i mean you know to say it colloquially they're copping dubs i mean like they're, they are they're, you're seeing massive electoral victories for the dsa yes um and i think that's like amazing now they're to my right and i'm sure they're to yours as well mm-hmm. um ideologically for the most part even the marxist wing of dsa i think is i, I don't know i don't necessarily <laughs> see overlap with them as much for sure um but like i i don't think it's impossible for me to deny like one the practice they're putting like they're they're Absolutely. implementing on the ground but also just the electoral victories i mean like, i think in the next election cycle dsa is looking at potentially doubling the amount of dsa candidates i mean like nina Turner's a really good example of that Let's for <laughs> yeah right right no i mean it's unbelievable i mean it, it's such a unique time i think in american politics like we're seeing a lot of overlap i think with like the 1960s but with the with the difference being that instead of seeing this like reactionary red scare type mentality sure we're actually seeing the first generations of people first generation really that hasn't been kind of inundated with this like cold war rhetoric um and and so we're seeing in a lot of ways what the 60s could have been um you know for sure i you know i i think that a lot whenever i'm seeing a lot of the protests now Mm -hmm. um not to say there weren't massive strides um in the civil rights movement in the 60s um but to see like actual like we're getting open leftists in electoral mm-hmm. positions like in congress in For in sure. state and local po- like outside of like maybe a, may- a mayoral ship or like maybe like a, a sporadic like city council member like we're seeing like real power players essentially mm-hmm. openly calling themselves socialists and i think that is fascinating um for a number of I, reasons yeah i hope i hope more comes out of it um because like i'm vietnamese like i'm part of the like diaspora um i feel like a lot of like asian americans are definitely still unlearning like a lot of the cold war like imperialist propaganda um but like kind of touching on like a point that we already did it's like like the tide is is shifting because i started making like my american war in vietnam tiktoks and like so many vietnamese people like kids teenagers were like wait like i researched this and like you're right you know, because like our whole lives, we learn something different. Um, but like this unlearning happening, like at such a young age, I'm like, damn, like, I feel like they're going to make some like massive, like power strides once they're our age, you know, or like even probably younger, because I, I know like 16 year olds that know more than me and talk much more eloquently <laughs> than I do. Um, but yeah, I'm like so hopeful. No, Absolutely. But I mean, that being said, I think it's about time we we cut this just for the sake of both of our times. So I know you have a bookstore to get to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, once again, thank you, Kai, for coming on to the show. Um, if, if anyone listening is interested in more of their work, you can find them again on TikTok at the handle What's in Tifa and on Twitter at Tanky Pill. Anyway, uh, thank you so much for coming on again. And I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you for having me. Thanks everyone for listening. <laughs>